Today's episode of the Texas Toast Podcast, Mike Harmeyer, previously Mike of the Moon Pies. There's been a name change. Hear about all of that. We talk about some old school songs and we go into some new stuff. And then at the end, Mike does have a message for all the fans. So stick around. You don't want to miss it. Go. Hello to Mike Harmeyer with Silverado joining us for the Texas Toast Podcast. Hello, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. So the Silverado thing, I'm liking it. And I guess we should go ahead and talk about the name change from Mike and the Moon Pies. Sure. Yeah. What do you want to know about it? <laughs> well, I know that the, I mean, it was a big deal at Key West. That was like the big announcement. I saw all that on there. And I thought that was super cool how y'all came out and did it. Short, sweet, boom, and into the new single that y'all just released. Yeah, it took a lot of planning to get all that to come together the right way. Uh, a lot of moving parts with that. And there still are moving parts with it. Our fan club, the Mockingbirds, are the, our fan group, they're pretty much all at that festival at Miles Hero. I mean, it's kind of the home base. <laughs> and we've been doing that festival since the very first year. Uh, so a lot of it, you know, we just feel right at home there. And we feel like we see all the people that we tour around the country seeing every every night of the year are all in one place when we do that weekend. So uh, what better time to do it? And uh, the festival is so like into what we're doing and so supportive of us and was a thousand percent down to let us do whatever we wanted to do and, uh, and to help us out and, um, and make a big splash with it. So, I mean, it's, it was a lot of people and time and everything coming together uh, right at this exact moment to, to make it come off the way that it did. And we feel like it was pretty successful. Well, I think it's exciting. I've been a fan for many, many years. I I worked in radio for many years as the Texas Music Revolution was coming up and y'all and all the people, all the great musicians that we've had coming up. And uh, y'all play a lot. You play a lot of shows. You play every year. You put out so much music. And uh, this is exciting because we did preview Wallflower um, this past Friday on our podcast. So let's let's just jump into the new the new music, Wallflower. I mean, I was blown away. I mean, it's like I, I've been listening to it over and over. So happy for y'all on that release. That comes with a new album that will be coming out on June 28th. So let's talk about the new stuff. Yeah, um, it's, um, you know, when I started to get ready to make this record um i was i was writing a lot of different stuff i was i was not really trying to stick to the tropes i was writing about all the time in the past and i wasn't trying to write to the show i was just trying to write naturally whatever came to me and i was trying different techniques i'd been reading a bunch of songwriting books uh to kind of get me started in a new direction uh just because i wanted something fresh and so i threw all the rules out the window really on on writing and uh I've been listening to a lot of different stuff. Uh, uh, I was listening to a lot of War on Drugs uh, whenever that I was writing that song. And there's a lot of chord changes in there that kind of um, kind of evoke some of that stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we just went with it and we let the we let when we got to the studio, we just let the song take it where it was going to go. We didn't try to force force it to sound like anything we had done before, uh, you know, anything like that. So um, we just let the song really decide the path. And uh and it still sounds like us. I mean, it's still heavy steel and guitar and, yes, you know, it's still us, but um, it's just whatever direction the song wanted to go, you know? Well, it's a good one. It's a doozy. I like it. And so what can we expect from the new album that will be coming out? Well, um, there's something for everybody on this record. I mean, there's, you know, I still write a lot of the same ways that I used to anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a song, a song for my dad. There's a, there's a new, um, 
I think what is the next you look good neon type bar room, smoky bar room song on there. There's uh, there's a bunch of linear songs, some new stuff that we haven't tried before that uh, get into big, wide open jams. And uh, it's just all over the map. And uh, and we're, we're just very happy with it. And we think it's going to make uh, our sound and our show uh, a lot more dynamic, which is I think is it was a big thing we wanted to do going forward like that and let's let's kind of go back i think i was really fascinated with the with a uh, i guess one of the, there's a few things that well, there's a lot of things that fascinate me about y'all's music but i think one thing that really got me was the lost songs of gary stewart when y'all did that yeah that got me too <laughs> uh was... I, I i didn't really see that one coming when i got sent a couple of those songs by a buddy of mine uh the pitch was to just do one or two of those songs maybe put them on a record that we had or and they had that pitch out to other people too. I think Jinx was pitched it and Midland was pitched it. And uh, then when COVID came around, we we said, well, do you have any more of those songs? And so they <laughs> sent me a whole file full of uh, these old Gary demos and songs that were cut but never released and just a, a enormous amount of material. And so uh, we went through it and dug through it and um, somehow put 10 songs together that we thought really uh, said what we wanted to say about Gary and, and paid tribute to him in the way we wanted to. And uh, we're just very happy and honored that they were allowed us to make that record and and uh, that it came out the way that it did. We're, we're really proud of that thing. And, and hopefully it helps to, uh, uh, you know, secure Gary's legacy. Uh-huh, definitely. I think it's one of one of those that it's always a go to in a, in a mainstay, at least in my library. It is. It always has been. So I'm, I'm so happy I get to talk to you about that. And a, another big moment for y'all was um you you played the Grand Old Opry. How long ago was that? Uh, that was September. Uh, not this past one. I think 22. I think September 22. Yeah, that was uh, that was a big night. I was that's the most nervous I think I've ever I've ever been. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, You know. We had the whole family there, you know, everybody came in and, and everybody from all over the country came to that show. All of our fans came to come see that show. Uh, so we got the standing ovation, but I think it's because we stacked the crowd pretty heavily with with a lot of Texans in there for sure. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious since I have you like, how does that happen? Do you like get an email one day or a phone call and they're like, hey, you look at your schedule and come play the Grand Ole Opry? How does that work? Yeah, that's kind of how it happened for us. There was a, at the time, we had not played the Ryman yet either. And uh, there was a potential show that we were going to do. I think it was, I can't remember who it was with, but we were going to do a, a Ryman show and that fell through somehow. And so we were pretty bummed out about it. And, you know, I was kind of down in the dumps because we didn't get to play the Ryman. And I was like, oh, well, when is that? When are we going to get the opportunity to do that again? And uh, I think that my management called me like two days later and said, well, we didn't get the Ryman, but we do have a brand new offer to play the Grand Ole Opry. And I was like, I'll I'll take it. (laughs) It was cool. That is super cool. Have you ever wondered how artists like Treaty Oak Revival, Red Clay Strays, and Aaron Watson maintain the high quality and high demand for their merchandise? CH Lone Star Promo is the answer. Created in Texas to serve Texas artists, and they're currently offering 15% off on all merch orders from musicians. Visit chlonestarpromo.com to get started and tell them Texas Toast sent you. I was reading the other day that it takes at least $1 million to break an artist. That's a ton of change, and it can feel overwhelming. But with social media leveling the playing field, you just need an effective strategy to release your music. Check out Release Rocket to ensure your single does not die after release day. You've already put time, effort, and tons of money into writing and recording your album. Let the guys at Release Rocket keep your new release alive. 
I was at the Ryman um, last year and um, it was just, it's just so interesting when you walk in those buildings like that, just thinking of the history. Yeah, it is. You know, the, the Opry held a lot of weight for me, um, you know, obviously. And uh, that was a very intense show, but I think it was maybe beaten out by playing the Ryman for the first time and walking into that room and the, you know, the original church, you know, it was, um, it was, I don't know. I can't explain it. You know, the, the weight of that room is even heavier than I think being on the Opry and the Opry, you only get to do two songs or something. So we were there mm-hmm. to play a full set at the, at the Ryman. So uh, we're excited to do it again. We're doing it again on July 5th. We're headlining for the first time and having our album release. Oh, man, that's exciting, exciting, exciting. And something that was big for y'all, too, is when you recorded at Abbey Road Studios. Yeah, another heavy moment. Really, y'all really did that. I mean, like when I remember when it happened, I was like, they really did that. Wow. (laughs) Super cool. (laughs) Yeah, that that was um, I didn't think that was going to happen either. You know, we had this crazy idea to make this kind of crooner record and we wanted to do something cool with it. And uh, the guy that owns the Yellow Dog Studios, Dave Percival, had worked over at Abbey Road before on some other records. And had the crazy idea that like let's try to go make that happen and sneak into Abbey Road for a couple of days, and we just so happened to have uh, our first European tour happening around the time that we could make that record. So all of the festivals we were playing had paid for our travel to get overseas. So if we were ever going to do it, that was the time. So uh, we got in there and we cut that record. It was, we had three days in the studio, but me and the band were only there for the first two to cut the record, and then the strings cut on the third day. And we had to fly out of there to go play in Bozeman, I think, with Turnpike or something that night. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a a lot going on that, that those weeks. So we kind of had to get into Abbey Road and just get to work. We didn't really have that much time, so we tried to soak in as much of the history and and the you know the legend of we that we could while we were there, and uh, just get the job done. So um, and it was it was an incredible experience. I'll never forget it. And so thinking about the the formation and all of y'all coming together many many years ago. Um, what was it like when you first started? Uh, we were throwing it together, you know. Uh, I there was I didn't really want to do anything else, so I wanted to play all the all the bars and stuff and and the dance hall stuff that I was going to then. And uh, we just tried to figure out a way to do it. I had started to write some some more country songs. I had been in a bunch of different styles of bands when I moved to Austin, uh, but I finally got back to my roots and started writing country stuff again and. Uh, thought this is my way in to play. I wanted to play the Broken Spoke. You know, I wanted to do the Texas dance hall circuit. And, uh, you know, so it was a lot of covers. You know, it was it was us trying to figure out how to play, you know, a hundred songs that I knew all the words to um, and try to keep people on the dance floor. It was a, it was a learning experience. I mean, it, we 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 spent, you know, five, six, seven, eight years uh, just running the dance hall circuit and the, and, the, and the barroom circuit, just learning how to do it and learning how to uh, you know, hold a crowd and, and, uh, play the way we wanted to. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just educational really for the first, for the first long many years, uh, just learning how to, how to figure out what we really wanted to do. Yeah, and then, then, then comes album after album after album. And do y'all keep the same, let's say standard operating procedures, like for each album, is there a certain things that um in your checklist for albums like i guess i'm just trying to get it if you change things up or like your whole procedure we try to do it a little bit differently every time i think it's you know for me making records is an experimental process and i don't want to make the same record twice uh so we try to change it up every time no matter if we're you know maybe doing more pre-production and and learning the songs Mm -hmm. prior to or just going in cold and 
I'll bring in some songs and play them in the kitchen and then we'll go cut them in the studio. Um, so we try to mix it up and, and, and do different things. One thing that has been pretty fluid is, uh, I pretty much come in with about 10 to 15 songs and I'll play, play them to the band and then we'll see where we want to go from there. But in general, we kind of just cut it on the fly and, and let the band figure out what they want to do as they're hearing the song. So we don't do a whole lot of pre-production other than the Abbey Road record. That was a lot different. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of pre-production on that because we kind of had to make the record once so that the string arrangement guy could write all the strings for it so we could have that when we went to uh, London. So that was a different experience. And then the Gary Stewart record, we made that all from our homes. That was during COVID. So we would record stuff at our houses and and send it in to this Pro Tools session and that would all it would all come together on the internet basically. So uh, we've had a lot of different experiences uh, making records and and I like that. I mean, it's, it's, I like playing shows and I like making records and I like them to be separately uh, fulfilling to us. I love hearing that. It's just, I just wanted to pick your brain on that. It's all just genius. Okay. So <laughs> let's talk about the shows and uh, what you got coming up on, on your tour. Uh, well, big time San Antonio rodeo this weekend. Uh, we're, we've never done that before. Uh, we're playing at noon on Sunday or at about two o'clock on Sunday. Uh, we've, we're headlining some stuff this year that I've wanted to do for a while. The Jackalope Jamboree out in Pendleton, Oregon. We're doing that, uh, for our album release the night that our record comes out, uh, June 27th, 28th. And, uh, the big one at the Ryman, our, our big July 5th show, uh, headlining the Ryman with, uh, Uncle Lucius on support. And I believe we can announce now that Town Mountain's also going to be on support for that show. Uh, so yeah, our big album release party at the Ryman. I can't wait. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! So I'm sitting here. It was like it was so funny because like I have since I have your attention. It's like I had so many songs I wanted to talk about. I almost put like little pieces of paper with singles like there were some of my favorites, and I was just going to draw them out of a cup. So I just wouldn't like drive you crazy asking you about songs. So let's talk about Beaches of Biloxi. Just kind of throwing some stuff out there and memories you have of that song, good memories or the making of it, or just a little tidbit about that staple well, song. That's a good one. I, I vividly remember when that song came together, I, uh, we had played our very first time, I think to play a festival in Florida. And I had my buddy Rance May who owned this old 1980s silver Eagle Eagle tour bus. Who I guess it used to belong to Wayland, but then again, I think every bus used to belong to Wayland from what I understand. Uh, so we're on this bus coming back from this thing and we stopped. Biloxi happens to be the halfway point between our house and where we were playing in Florida. So we stopped there, uh, and we stayed in a casino for the night like you do. And, uh, my, my, my bus driver, Rance, who owns the bus had, had said that line to me, Oh, we're coming up on the beaches of Biloxi. And I said, well, they got the best of me. I bet they get the best of me again. And so we kind of started riffing on that for a little bit and we had a chorus down. And, uh, at that time. We were doing a lot of three-night stands at the Windstar Casino out in Thackerville, Oklahoma. So I spent a lot of time in casinos <laughs> at that time. <laughs> and, uh, I was We had three nights there, so uh, during the day in the hotel room, I would just write. And uh, I had that chorus, and I, so I wrote the rest of that song actually in a casino as well. So that was a whole – and that was it was born out of a casino, and I finished it in a different casino. So it was a pretty cool uh, – it was a pretty cool way for that song to come together. Oh, man, I like hearing that story. And so then I was listening to um, a couple of kind of semi new releases. Let's talk about Redbird, something kind of fresh. Yeah, so that song, uh, it wrote itself. I was, you know, playing around with uh, songwriting exercises and I wanted to do a story song. And uh, 
I'd always loved uh, Alice's Restaurant by Arlo Guthrie. I'd, I'd love the story of that song. And I also just wanted to write, uh, you know, just fluid writing. I was just kind of writing things down and not really caring if it rhymed or anything like that. Just wanted to tell a story. And uh, we threw that thing together pretty quick. It, it kind of, it, like I said, it wrote itself. And I ended up, I mean, the last line with the Cowboys on Sunday and kickoffs at noon, that just like yeah. happened. It just fell out of my brain. <laughs> so uh, those are the ones that I tend to like, the ones that just happened to me. Uh, so we were, we were pretty happy about that song. And we went in to cut that uh, just because we really wanted to and wanted to put it out for Thanksgiving kind of as an ode to the, uh, to the Alice's Restaurant song, which was a Thanksgiving song. And uh, also football oriented, uh, sure. so it's right to us. And so uh, we just had to put out that two little song EP, and we really wanted to cut that Wallflower song, Three Marlenas, for a long time. So we thought that was the perfect uh-huh. opportunity to to knock both of those out. And uh, that ended up being the last uh, Mike and the Moon Pies release. Actually, was that double song EP? There it is. Okay. Well, we're looking forward to um, all the new music that'll be coming out. I love the name Silverada, and I'm sure y'all have new merch and everything. Oh yeah, it's a full-on production now. I mean, that's that's all these boxes here. I've, we sold I so saw that. <laughs> we I recognize so that much. that brand. <laughs> so we're uh yeah, that's uh, um, I'm just taking a break to talk to you after packing up merch for all for the last couple of days. So yeah, we've got plenty of it. <laughs> and so everybody, I guess, can just like looking for you now. They just type in Silverada, and everything will go to that. Yeah, there's um, you know, it's not as fluid as we wanted the change to be because there's some things that are just take too long uh, and meta is a is a nightmare to deal with changing over facebook's and instagrams and changing over all of our streaming on spotify's and all those things is a difficult task to uh to take on but um we we're, we're getting it done so you know it might take a little longer than we wanted to but right now it's running pretty fluid so you search silverado you're gonna find us somehow i love it i love it and so since this is a big change if there's any said you want to give to your fans on the podcast what would it be uh well i mean it's the same band so don't worry about that it's a you know we're doing this in order to expand our fan base so you know we wanted to we want to grow this thing and be able to do it forever and mm-hmm. uh that doesn't mean we're going to really change our music or I mean, it's the same guys the band same style we're not going we're not selling out to nashville or whatever anybody wants to think about it uh we're just trying to uh uh you know improve our careers and uh improve the likelihood of more and more people hearing hearing us and what we do. So we're going to continue to do it the way we do it, just under a different moniker. Okay, great having you on the podcast. And one last question. If you were a cocktail, what would you be? Uh, an old-fashioned. <laughs> old-fashioned. Okay. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming on and visiting with us at this very important time for the band. And good luck, and we'll see you down the road. Thank you. Well, thanks. Thanks for the support. Thanks for having us.